Netflix's earnings report, and the keys to building better client relationships. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope your January is going great. It's a crazy busy time of year already. So let's dive right into the news today and head into today's episode. So first up, have you ever tried to click your DM button in Instagram, that top right corner, and then accidentally get taken to IGTV? If you have, you're not alone. And Instagram is trying to fix that. According to The Verge, which got a report from TechCrunch, Instagram is removing the top right button that is the shortcut that takes you to IGTV. So IGTV first launched in June 2018 as the long form video service, which we all know it meant to compete things like YouTube and TikTok. So they just, they say they decided to remove the button after discovering that few people were using it, which is interesting. So they, their reasoning was that more people are finding IGTV content through the explore page or just going to the person's profile because there is the option to view it when you're on someone's profile. So they're getting rid of that button and now we don't have to worry about accidentally clicking it and accidentally having videos pop up that we don't want to watch. <laughs> so a good move for the app and an interesting move as well to kind of show that they are really looking at user behavior, which is hopefully a good thing. Next story. As we're in the midst of the streaming wars, Netflix is apparently still growing. So TechCrunch reported that Netflix actually grew by 8.8 million net subscribers in the fourth quarter of 2019, according to its latest earnings report. And its growth was well ahead of the forecasted 7.6 million. Pretty big jump there since they actually grew by 8.8 million. Netflix says currently that the article stated that it has 167 million paid memberships worldwide. It also reported stronger than typical financials with revenue of $5.47 billion and earnings at a share of $1.30. And this is compared to estimates from outside analysts that were actually lower. So in this streaming battle so far, we have Disney Plus, Apple TV, and two more coming up this year. So we have Warner Media's HBO Max and NBC Universal's Peacock. Those two are coming up this year. So in the article, actually, Netflix points to Google search trends showing that there's much higher interest in their original series called The Witcher than Disney's Mandalorian, Apple TV's Morning Show, Amazon's Jack Ryan. So they're kind of basing this on Google trends, which there is actually this theory that there's power in Google trends. I know sometimes it's just... It's, I think it's like google.trends.com. Like just type in Google Trends and you can find it. But you can basically see um, keywords that are trending on Google from a general view. Like this isn't Google Analytics. It's just from the general view of what's popular. But there are a lot of theories that Google Trends can predict the future or whatnot. Um, sometimes people look at it like there's like this conspiracy theory that Google Trends can predict elections because usually whichever candidate has the higher search volume ends up winning. So things like that. So interesting that Netflix points this out. It may not be totally accurate though when they're saying like, oh, like we have more search volume because Disney Plus 
actually did like come out later in the year. So obviously Netflix would be doing better. So, and I don't know how many people knew exactly like the Mandalorian title to be searching for it before Disney Plus came out. I'm sure there were some, but not as much as when the app actually launched. TechCrunch did point out that because like this may not be a totally fair comparison since Disney Plus is only available in a handful of countries so far, and like I said, they did launch at the end of the year in 2019, Netflix says, quote, if Disney Plus were global, we don't think the picture would be much different. Basically, these are fine words, Netflix. Um, they don't think they would make a difference at all, but we have Baby Yoda over on Disney+, Plus, so I'm just saying there's power in that. So I guess we'll see the numbers for this year. <laughs> and also, if you are a Disney Plus user right now, you'll probably notice that a lot of the content you can't even access yet. I tried clicking on You Again, that movie with Kristen Bell. It's really funny. And it's like available in 2022 or something like way far off. And I was like, what? But I I think a lot of the Disney Plus stuff will be coming in later just because of rights issues. Like these movies that Disney like theoretically owns have been playing on other networks for such a long time. So I'm sure they're just trying to grab them all back for the streaming service. This trend makes sense for now, but maybe in a few years, my prediction would be that once Disney Plus can get all that content back, that maybe it would be more competition for Netflix. And also on that, um, Netflix bragging about The Witcher. Has anyone watched that? I always, I keep seeing like the preview for it on Netflix, but I haven't watched it yet, but I don't know if it's my kind of thing. So we'll see. Apparently it's really good, they say. So that's it for Netflix. And next and last story, an interesting one. I've talked about Smile Direct Club before. So this is kind of a follow-up to that. Um, I talked about it a few months ago. So Smile Direct Club, they sell 3D printed teeth aligners similar to things like Invisalign that you get from a dentist, but Smile Direct Club is all on your own. You, It's like an external company. I'm sure you've seen the commercials and influencers and all over on the social media sphere. So a New York Times report that was published this week really outlined some of the interesting things about, (laughs) interesting for lack of a better word, things about the company. So it pointed out that Smile Direct Club has asked some customers dissatisfied with the product to sign extremely restrictive non-disclosure agreements that prevent them from saying anything negative about the company. The Verge kind of reported it in an excellent summary. They said an excerpt of a Smile Direct Club NDA included in the New York Times story said that the person signing will, quote, will not make, publish, or communicate any statements or opinions that would disparage, create a negative impression, or in any way be harmful to the business, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff where basically you can't talk bad about the brand. So the New York Times spoke to seven different people who said Smile Direct Club's teeth liners didn't work on them. Four of them said they had to get additional dental work to correct problems created by the aligners. And then in the Verge's report, they also pointed out that Smile Direct Club has been the subject of more than 1,670 Better Business Bureau complaints since 2014. Which I'm like, I don't know what to compare that to. Like, is that a lot? I mean, it seems like a lot, but I actually don't know because that's since 2014. Is that normal? But they did a comparison. So Align Technology, which does Invisalign, the one you get through a dentist, 
has had five complaints, five compared to 16, over 1600. So that is like a pretty like drastic comparison there. So, um, and obviously I've, I've never used Smile Direct Club. I don't really know too much about it, just from what I've seen on commercials. And this isn't like a dig against them. And I just thought the article is very interesting. But also I think this is a good thing to mention for anyone who's an influencer or even like a product review person. Make sure to read the fine print because these people that are getting into this maybe as like an influencer or somebody who's getting free product to test it out, they do not, they are not able to provide um, their full opinions according to this article. So always read the fine print. (laughs) And for our working girl topic of the week, we're talking client relationships because no matter what field you're in, at some point you may deal with a client or you may be the client. So we're going to talk about this from um, my past experience and from things that I've seen and kind of like industry standards and we'll just kind of dive right into it. So before you even enter into a client relationship, if you're the person that will be providing the service, ask yourself, can I actually be successful with this person as my client? Because if you feel like you won't be successful, then it's just bad, a bad fit from the beginning. Because a lot of this stuff, it's all about alignment. And if you, before you even begin in like a client relationship, if you know you will not be able to perform the service they're requesting or do a good job at it, or maybe there's something about the company that you don't particularly like, if you won't be successful at it, don't do it because it just would, it mars that personal relationship you would have with the person and it doesn't look great for you as well. And it just, no one wins in that setting. Also ask yourself, is this a good fit here? Because sometimes relationships in the client sense can, can be hard. Relationships in general can be hard, but especially when you're providing a service for somebody or them for you, is it actually a good fit? Like, do you guys on a personal level, have a connection, like there's good chemistry there, but also your services you're offering, matching their business services, vice versa. Is it actually a good fit? And third question to ask yourself, are we both excited about working together? Are you excited about if this is like a marketing situation, like marketing this business's product, or are you excited about serving this person? Or are you excited about working with this person, like the client view? So Think about that too, because if you're not, then you won't be excited about doing the work. So, and I understand that in some cases, maybe you need the client or whatever, but try to go through these questions first because it will save you a lot of heartache in the end. Because personally, I would rather have a client that fits maybe like lesser clients, but clients that fit well and I can do a great job for than millions of clients that I don't work well with and I feel like I'm not being successful for. So as you begin a client relationship, the beginning is crucial. Clear communication and establishing the ground rules is super important. I cannot stress this enough. So establishing the expectations for the services you're offering and communication and how those will be received to the client or edits, anything like that. Hopefully you have a contract anyway that a client signs if you're on the side of offering the service and vice versa. So hopefully there's a contract that outlines this um, pretty clearly, which that's something you would need to talk to a lawyer about. I'm definitely not a lawyer. So even after they sign the contract, sometimes people don't read it clearly, or maybe they don't realize that, oh, like if I'm your social media outsource, social media coordinator, if you don't get a picture to me by this 
time frame you can expect the post within 24 hours, not instantly. Something like just things like that, that if you don't make them clear right up front, could be frustrating for the client potentially in the future. And also establishing a communication pattern uh, because people will get antsy if they aren't hearing from you. So if they know, oh, okay, I get a weekly email from Abby then they know to expect that. But if we don't establish any communication pattern, um, the client will be asking, hey, like, what's going on? What's the update? But if they know they expect an email from me on Wednesdays, then there's more peace of mind there. Because this this beginning era is all about establishing trust. You need to establish trust. So the more clear your ground rules, your expectations can be what they can expect from you, what you can expect from them. Everything is just so much better. And in the beginning, um, point number two, over communicate as much as possible because you are still building trust. So if you need to explain why you did something, go ahead and do it. Like if they are asking like, oh, I just want to know why you created content this way or something in that sense. Like, oh yeah, brief explanation. This is how we do it. Blah, blah, blah. Done. Like, so then they know going forward. So over communicate as much as possible. And if possible, throughout this acquisition process of being a new client um, service relationship, I would suggest having these first three meetings, if you do like a monthly meeting or at least that first meeting um, to establish what services you'll be providing, what they'll be receiving, that sort of thing, to be in person. In person goes a long way. It cuts out any of the misunderstandings that come from digital or email and even phone sometimes because you can't see the person. It can be pretty hard. So at least a video call, if anything, uh, but in person, if possible, is a great way to go for for sure that first meeting as you're meeting the client, but the first three are pretty awesome to do that with as well. And now next stage. So throughout this client relationship process, I would suggest meeting in person at least two times a year. It's always good to get that FaceTime with somebody. It's good on the client side. They feel more at peace knowing like, hey, like this person's got it. We have a good relationship. And then it's more peace of mind on the worker, the person providing the service as well, because you can get a clear view of goals that the client has, things like that. So at least getting that FaceTime at least two times a year. And that depends if you're at a state and state. If you are in the same town, I would recommend it quarterly would be a great time. Like that FaceTime, nothing beats it. It's awesome. Next one for this throughout the client relationship process, take note of the person's start date with you, their business anniversary date or their birth date. So these little things that can be anniversaries, um, that are just go such a long way. Sam Aberhart of the Mayfair group actually mentioned this in her episode that even just sending somebody a little happy birthday card or a note like, Hey, happy birthday, like the person you're working with in this client relationship or the owner of the business that you're working with, that goes such a long way because it shows that you care about them as a person and not just another client on your list. So taking note of their start date with you. So you could have like a, Oh, it's been one year since you've been working with us. Here's a little anniversary gift or the start of their business. You've been doing this for two years. Congratulations. We love working with you or their birth date. So the little extra touches like that doesn't need to be anything crazy. Um, I know some companies are super that have large budgets and are huge, do go a lot with this. Like, oh, we take all our clients out to, we run out a football stadium and do all this, which is awesome if you do. But most small businesses or people in client services field don't have that power 
or that budget. So just a little thing like this, even if it's just an email or a card or a little like gift basket goes such a long way. And also throughout the process of working with a client, third point is be a fan of the brand, which kind of goes back to before you start working together anyway, but just be a super fan of the brand. If you're helping this company in whatever aspect it is, whether it's financials, legal, marketing, whatever it is, you should be a fan of the brand and show that like follow them on social, comment, be a fan of theirs, wear their product, use their product. And because you should be a fan already if you're working with them. And last section, which is a little bit harder, but I think definitely worth mentioning is when you're parting ways with a client. There's this awesome quote by Maya Angelou, the author and poet that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel, which is very true. And I think thinking about that in the client sense is great as well. So if you are parting ways with a client and for whatever reason it is, they will always remember how they felt at the end because no matter what great work you did, if you end it poorly, that's their last impression of you. So I would say start off by making it easy for the next person to take over. So if it is something that you are getting replaced with or if they're taking something in-house, I'm not saying give away all your tricks and secrets because you are an expert yourself and that's why you've been working with them. Um, But as far as passwords, if you've been working with them for like say example, social media, um, making sure they have all the passwords, emails, nothing's tied to your account that you take yourself off of everything and maybe providing just a high level overview, not the nitty gritty of what's been going on to the next person. So just making that transition as easy as possible. One, so they have a good lasting impression of you and that it's just easier, but two also so that once that person does start, they're not still reaching out to you about, oh, hey, what's the password for this? Because once that kind of relationship is over, they're not paying you anymore. You do not need to be helping them theoretically, but um, so hopefully everything in that transition process goes and is provides that help before you do not work with them anymore. And then going back to meetings, that last meeting should definitely be in person, making sure to ask questions or that the the client does have the opportunity to ask questions. And from the client side, um, making sure that you ask questions of that person you've been working with uh, about any concern you had, anything, just keep the door open on both sides. Like, oh, well, maybe there's a possibility of working together in the future. Thank you so much. That type of thing. And I understand that all scenarios may not be amicable or um, a great experience when you are parting ways with a client. But I think thinking, I think just thinking about that quote I said earlier and the idea of it's not about how you start or what you do, but it's about how you leave sets such a great tone. And like just having that mindset of, hey, like, because especially when you do have that end date, oh, and in a month we're not going to work together, you have that end date. So just be nice and be civil and make it a good experience for everyone because no one wants to be miserable and no one wants to part ways poorly, I would hope. (laughs) So set a great tone for you, set a great tone for your company. And on the client side, set a great tone for you as working with clients because it kind of goes both ways. It's such a small world. Everyone knows everyone that um, from the client's perspective, if you get a bad rap as being somebody that's hard to work with, that person you've been working with could tell other people and maybe no one will want to work with you. And then from the person providing the service, 
if you end it poorly, that client probably has friends that could use your services and maybe they wouldn't recommend you if you did. So um, just think about it that way. Like, and like one, just being a nice person, (laughs) but also you just never know where things will lead. Maybe that person will come back as a client. You just never know. So it's always good to just end things on a positive note because it's a small world. People talk. That's just like a simple rundown of how to make your client experiences better. Always smile, always be nice, um, but definitely stand your ground because you do these relationships. Like, yes, it's nice to be friends and have fun, but these relationships typically are contract based. So as nice as you want to be and as, um, like giving of your time, you still don't want to waste your time as well and do things outside of scope and be taken advantage of. So it's a little bit of a hard act to follow, but as long as you're being nice, following your contract, meeting a person and clearly communicating, I think clearly communicating will seriously set you up from success, especially from the beginning and making sure that the client you're working with falls into the scope of work you actually do. Those things will just set you up for success. So hopefully those tips help you. And if you have any tips of your own, please share them with me. I love client relationship stuff. I, especially as somebody who's been on both sides, I've been a client for people and I've also done work for clients in the past. So it's an interesting relationship for sure. And I know sometimes whatever side you're on, you're maybe a little annoyed at the other side, or maybe you might have some uh, different thoughts about them that may not exactly be true. So just keeping an open mind, having clear communication will hopefully solve most of your problems. Thank you so much. My last little bit, my Friday favorite before we go, I, if you watched my Instagram stories this week, you probably saw I started and finished the show on Netflix called Cheer. It's a docu-series, the same people that produced Last Chance You, if you watched that. And it just highlights um, Navarro college. It's a two-year school that has this amazing cheer program that you've like maybe never even heard of. So these are competitive cheerleaders and it is so intense. It's such a dangerous sport and it just sheds a really interesting light on this sport and how it works and um, what these athletes go through. Like they're getting thrown up so high in the air. They're doing all these crazy things to their bodies. And it's super interesting. They highlight a few different individuals and kind of go through their stories as well. The videography is amazing. And their head coach is so cool. She's such a great coach and really mentors these kids. It's really inspiring. So definitely check it out if you're into dance, cheerleading, anything like that, sports. Um, Even my husband was getting into it. So... (laughs) Um, we were super big fans over here and now my life goal is to get monica the coach on the podcast so let's see if we can make that happen if anyone has any connections let me know (laughs) thank you so much for listening to working girl talk if anything resonated with you today make sure to click that copy link button share with a friend rate review subscribe all that good stuff thank you so much i'll see you next week